And I really felt like the Lord was saying, it wasn't by coincidence that the Jordan was flood stage when I told the Israelites to cross over. And I told them to put my, the foot in the water, not the toe. Because if you put your foot in water that's flood stage, two things will happen. It'll part or you'll get sucked down the stream. So it had to be one or the other. And I thought, well, we've got to do this. We've either got to watch the waters part or get sucked downstream totally. So let's go for broke. And I really, you know, didn't do that in arrogance, just did that as I felt that's the way the Lord was doing it. And he wanted us to do it that way because he wanted the testimony of what he was going to do and that he was going to do it. So um, as I was praying, the Lord kept putting this one guy into my mind, a guy who I knew didn't have the money. And, but he's a guy that I've known for 20 years, and I've always been kind of like a bigger brother to him, and our family's always been in a position to be able to bless his family. And so I finally just called him, said, okay, Lord, if this is you, I'll call him. I told him my situation, and this is, before I called him, though, the Lord said that he would love the opportunity to bless you the way your family's blessed him. So I called him, I said, Scott, here's my situation, and he said, we would love the opportunity to bless you the way your family's blessed us. Exactly what the Lord said. But he didn't have the total amount. So we were just now $1,500 shy. And we've got one day to go. This is on, on Wednesday. So then I'm praying some more, saying, okay, Lord. You know, because when David inquired of the Lord, sometimes the Lord just said, sit back, watch, and I'll do it. Like Noah Manika talking about some guy coming up to him on the street and giving him the money. But sometimes God gave him a battle plan. And so I was seeking, okay, Lord, do you want me to sit back and do nothing? Somebody's just going to call? Or do you want me to, to have a battle plan? And I felt like the Lord was leading me in this battle plan, and everything was working. So we're 1,500 shy, and I said, okay, Lord, now what do I do? And the thought popped in my head, call those guys back who the loan you did for. This time, call them. In other words, when you have no faith in them anymore, call them. When it's just in me. So I said, okay, now, Lord, is this you? Should I call him up and ask him for 1,500? The Lord said, no call him up and ask him for 2000 So I called him up, asked him for 2000 He immediately said, yeah, that's no problem. Come on over. Came over. When we went to the closing table, we had to wind up paying $21 shy of the extra 2000 that we had just gotten. So if we had gotten 1500 that wouldn't have worked either. So at every step of the way, the Lord just provided the miracle, and on Tuesday morning, we or Thursday morning, we closed, and by Friday evening, we were sleeping in that house. That was the Lord, wasn't it? Amen. And at the end of the church today, Dean and Jenny are going to lay hands on people who have needs like that in their life, or maybe they're in a wilderness phase, and just pray the Lord will help them get out quick or get their miracle. Yeah, because that was a miracle. It really was, because I was thinking, Lord, I got up Wednesday morning when Dean told me, I said, Lord, you've got to do something here. Now, you either straighten Dean out or meet his needs, you know, because we can't be having no fall through here. I don't think they can... They can bear it. But the Lord is good, isn't he? He's a great father. Everybody stand up. And look around to the person next to you, behind you or in front of you or whatever. And I want you to gather this. I want you to get this thought in your mind. God's family. Everybody say God's family. God is a family. He's a family man. He's a, fa he's a father. And I just want you to enjoy being part of God's family. If you're not part of God's family this morning, the Lord's beckoning you to, to join his family. Amen? One thing we were saying or praying about this morning is, is the prodigal sons and daughters will not come home 
if the father's not there. Because all they'll find is a bunch of old cranky elder brothers and sisters. Nobody wants that. And we need the father. That's what makes a church a family is the father. It's not, it's not us, but we do make it. But the father has to be. And I just saw the father's hand in Dean and Jenny's life. Amen. And father, we want to honor that and say to you that we want to be a part of your family. And we don't want to be elder brothers and sisters. We want to be your children that love you. And, Lord, I just pray if there's any of that elder brother stuff in us today, you take it out of us. Just, you, and, Lord, if we're, we want to be a place where the prodigal sons and daughters can come home. And I think one thing that the Lord showed Becky this week is a prodigal son or daughter is still a son or daughter. They may be gone astray and messed up, but in God's eyes, they're still his children. Amen? They're not like going to hell and all that. God's saying, no, they're still my children. So, Lord, we ask you today not only to draw them back to yourself, but, Lord, we want to be the kind of place that prodigals would want to come home to, the kind of church that they would not come in here and feel criticized or judged or manipulated or looked down upon, but they could come here and experience exactly what that prodigal experienced, the, the Father's heart. He experienced love, unconditional love and support. And Lord, you, I, we're asking you to deal with the, pro, the, the elder son stuff in us. We, we want to we cancel that stuff. We want to just throw it out. And we ask you to release the, the, the family anointing to us. That we could be a family that grabs a hold of our, our family members that are astray and love them back to you, Jesus. Amen. Thank you, Lord. Thank you for what you did for Dean and Jenny and for, for all the other miracles that you are going to release today. In Jesus' name, amen. That's great, isn't it? Oh, well, thank you, Lord. Let's see. Luke 5. Open your Bible. Let's see if we can do this. Luke 5. Are y'all good? Yeah, amen. I had a I had I had a tremendous week. Here's what I, well here's one thing that happened to me is well a lot of great things happened to me this week, but this is one thing that really really helped me this week. I felt like the Lord really really helped me, and this is the way He helped me. We went to. Uh, the new life group Friday night, and Becky shared. And um, I feel like the Lord basically dismantled me Friday night. And <clears throat> what she shared on was the grace of God. And I realized while she was sharing it, the Lord was, it was like, a, I don't know, it's like the Lord was tearing my hide up. That's the way it felt. I mean, he was coming after me like a wild man. I mean, he was not letting me off the hook one second. And I realized how far I had fallen from grace in my own life. Um, and the Lord restored me into a place of grace Friday night, I felt like. Of real grace. I'm not talking about just some old talk about grace. I'm talking about grace to live by. And uh, so I would 
said that, uh, really, you know, if you have a life group, you should ask Becky to come and share that message with you at your life group. Here's one little message, but it's a profound message. It was profound. I mean, it, um, I remember last time I spoke on grace in the church, I went away so frustrated with y'all <laughs> because y'all didn't get it. And the Lord was saying to me, this is what he said to me about that. He said, it's not them, it's you. See, you can't, you can't preach stuff, something you're not living and expect people to get it. You've got to live this thing. You can't talk about grace and expect people to get it if you are really not walking out a lifestyle of grace. And I realized that. Um, I mean, it really came home real clean and clear Friday night. And I've realized, uh, how many people in this room want freedom? Raise your hand. Y'all a bunch of this crazy, craziest, you know, maniacs in, in this church about wanting to be free and have freedom in worship and let's get up here and paint some pictures and dance around and, you know, scream and yell and, you know, all that offends some people, but some people just love that stuff. That's what they want, they desire. They don't want to come to church and be restrained because they're restrained everywhere else in their life, right? But the Lord was saying, Byron, you know what? That ain't the way to get freedom in the church. I mean, that's great stuff to do. But that's not going to set anybody free. That's not. You know, you can do that stuff all day. But if you're not free inside, you are not free. In your heart, if you're not free, you can be the most maniac bunch of people, the most radical bunch of people in the world. But that is not going to work. Because you're going to walk out of here, well, I was free in church, but I'm going to go back here and live in bondage in my house. You, you hear what I'm saying to you? God wants to really set people free. I mean, He wants to set you free where you can, wherever you're at, you're free. There's, you know, the Apostle Paul was in jail, bound, and he was as free as he could be. And he preached a gospel that was absolutely radical and revolutionary. Uh, I, I'm convinced it was a revolutionary word. And I believe the Lord wants to start a revolution. But it ain't a revolution of dancing or painting pictures or rock and roll worship. All those things are good. Don't, I mean, I like that stuff myself, you know. I'm all for it. I mean, let's have at it. But that's not what the revolution is. It's not some new sound like in music like we've always talked about or some big youth movement that we've talked about. God wants to do all that stuff. But those are results of something much greater. It's the results of the same message that the Apostle Paul preached that got him killed ultimately. That's how radical his message was. And it is not a message that you can understand with your mind. Even Peter said about Paul, he said some of the things he writes are hard to understand. And if you try to understand the message of Paul, the gospel message of Paul with your mind, his, your mind can't wrap around that message. It will not, it doesn't click. You have too many arguments in your mind um, to overcome the gospel of grace. But he preached a message of total freedom. This is how radical Paul's message is. And, and, I'm gonna just, and, and this is a radical statement, but you can sin. You, have a, you know, you can sin. He said all things are lawful. That's what Paul said. Everything. And he was talking about everything. When he said all, he meant it all. You can sin. That's how radical the statement is, but he also added to it, but it's not such a good thing, you know, to sin. In other words, you are not free until you have a choice. God created... I, I wasn't mean to say all this. 
God put two trees in the garden, the tree of life and the tree of knowledge of good. And right from the start, He gave man a choice. Okay? And when we have no choice, that's not freedom. If the choice in the home, if the choice in the church is you've got to stand up and shout to worship, that is not freedom. You hear what I'm saying to you? If the, if the choice, if, the, if you have no choice, that's not, we have freedom when we have real choice and we can choose, choose the tree of life. Do you hear what I'm saying to you? I, won't, I wish I could just say some names in here, but I won't do it because it would be exposing and embarrassing. But I would like to say to some of you guys, you don't have to come to church. You do not have to pray. You do not have to read the Bible. You do not have to do what your parents tell you to do. Although, if you was advise your parent and you didn't, you'd be, I might pop you. <laughs> no, I wouldn't do that. My kids will pop me back now. They're bigger than me. <laughs> But do you hear what I'm saying to you? You don't have to pay your tithes. Right, to be accepted. The Lord already accepts you. The Lord already loves you. We do those things to get Him to accept us and love us. We come in here and stand up and praise the Lord, hoping He'll love us. And He's saying, you don't have to do that for me to love you. I already loved you. I already care about you. I want you to be free. He wants to, he wants to dismantle you this morning, I feel like. He wants to dismantle you. He wants to dismantle all that you do, all your efforts. And He wants to tell you something. He wants to show you how He wants to do it in your life. We always, Becky and I have always picked on the Baptists because Becky was a Baptist. I pick on Presbyterian, she picks on Baptists. I was a Presbyterian, she was a Baptist, so we pick on those. (laughs) We have a right to because we were one. I was one. But here's what we always pick on Baptists. You know how those Baptists are. They get saved by grace. Just grand saved. But then they add all these rules that you've got to do to stay saved. You know? How many Baptist people do that? Many Baptist people do that. How many people like me and you sitting in this room do that? It ain't just Baptist, man. It's all of us. And God wants to... You want real freedom? I mean, honestly. Do you really want to be set free? Well, there... It's radical. It really is radical. It is revolutionary what God wants to do in the church. And, you know, we go about, we see a lot of issues in life. We see a lot of problems, and we try, we, we try to fix the fruit of the problems. And we try to, you know, adjust, you know, this is wrong. You know, the music is not fast enough. So let's make the music faster and everything be better in church. <laughs> that is really, let me tell you what that is, stupid. It ain't going to be no better in the church. You could have the music going 98 miles an hour. <laughs> what am I going to do? It's just going to leave poor souls like me from behind because we can't keep up with them. <laughs> or, you know, it's just too loud in the church, you know. They, just, they don't sing hymns. Let's do away from all that and let's do hymns. You know, that's stupid. You know, I love hymns. I love slow songs. I love fast songs. Those things won't fix anything. They won't fix anything in your life. So what we've got to do is we have got to get back to the root of our lives. Of what, you know, and, and we've got to get back to where, we, where we're living by something beyond all these outward standards, external things. We've got to get back to where we live from grace. Uh, you know what you can do with your children? You can pour your hide out for your kids, and they will look at you and say, I didn't want it anyway. I didn't want you to do that. They'll do that. If you hang around 
Look, <laughs> kids long, they're going to tell you some stuff you did that you sacrificed. Well, I made all these sacrifices for you and blah, blah, blah. And they were saying, I didn't want you to do that. I never asked you to do that. That meant nothing to me. And you know what that is? It's because you were doing something that God really hadn't ordained for you to do. Amen? There's a way of living the Christian life. Just put your name in this list here. Some of you who are struggling with the Lord, I know I need to pray more. Anybody said that? I need to read the Bible more. You know, I need to start giving, thinking that's going to fix you. Guess what? It's not going to fix you. It's not going to fix you. Never fix you. Never fix me. I don't know anybody that fixed it. And that is not what Paul preached. Um, this is one of the profound statements that just ripped me out of the gourd. Uh, because everybody's struggling, what about this? You know, the Bible says this, the Bible says this. You know what? This is what it is. The Bible's telling you, if you're living in grace, everything that's written in the Bible says this is the way you will live. It's written in there. This is the way you'll live if you're living a lifestyle empowered by grace. But if you think that you and I can go and take this Bible and read it and say, well, now I need to rejoice evermore. I need to pray without ceasing. Uh, I guess we could say we need to do that. That's true, because it is written in the Bible. But it doesn't tell me that I have to do it. That's right. Jesus does it. It doesn't tell me that I've got to go pull this stuff off in my natural self, because that's dead. Do you hear what I'm saying? And that's freedom when I can say, no, Lord, I don't have to get up in the morning and pray. I don't have to say a word. I do not have to read the Bible tomorrow. I don't have to come to church. I don't have to talk to anybody. I don't have to be nice. You know? But I can get to, I can get to, I can get to, I can get to, I can make it to, well, I think I'm going to be nice, Lord. You know why I'm going to be nice? Because I believe you're nice, and I believe you're in me, and you want to express that through me. Amen? That's what the Christian life, and that was really the basis of Paul's gospel. Man, I've wasted all this time <laughs> talking about this, but I wanted to, let me read this one thing, it says, um, the eyes of your understanding being enlightened. Everybody say enlightened. Enlightened means light in, okay? Understanding. Now, if you, this is a real thing. When I read this one, I thought, I didn't know my, my understanding had eyes. You know, when I read, I think, what are you talking about? Eyes on my understanding. What does that mean? He's talking about your soul, okay? And that's how a revelation comes. That's how revelation comes, is light comes into you. And what God wants to release is light into us, into our soul, concerning His grace. He wants to give you revelation about grace. Not understanding, because you can't wrap your mind around it because it's contrary to the natural way of thinking. In fact, if you get Becky to come over to your life group and teach that message, you're going to sit there wrestling with it in your mind, and you're going to tell it, she'll say something, and you'll have like four or five reasons why that can't be true. Okay? Yet she's really telling the truth. You're just telling partial truths. You're telling stuff you've been taught and learned all your life. We need to ask the Lord, give us a revelation about grace. A real revelation. You want freedom? All these young people, we want freedom in the church. We want this, we want that. Well, you can come in and hop around and act like idiots. But that's not freedom. We want something beyond hopping around and being able to do what we think we you know, have expression and worship. We want to have the, the grace that really sets us free. Amen? Let me read Luke. I'll just read just a little bit of this. This is profound. It is profound. It will change your life. It will change your life if we can get it. 
And this is, let me just be honest with you. This is what I told the Lord. You know what, Lord? I think this is what we're going to commit ourselves to. Okay? I have committed you to something. I've committed our church to this. We are going to become a church that lives in grace. That's what we're going to do. We're going to find out about it. We're going to find out about it, and we're going to get revelation on it, and we're going to live in it, and we're going to be like Paul. We're going to have people wanting to kill us over it. Okay? They're going to come after us when we start really preaching the way Paul preached and teaching the way Paul taught. People are not going to like it, the religious element. And, you know, the government didn't even like his deal. And we wonder, why does the government not worry about Christians in America? They ain't worried about us. No. They, you know, yeah, let them, y'all go over there and shout and holler all day long and have your big fun. You know, it's not scaring us. We're not worried about it. But when the church really rises up in America, I promise you, when it rises up in America, the government's going to get scared. It's going to get real scared. And I think, this is what I think. Man, I'm just saying all this stuff. This, I wouldn't plan on saying any of this. This is what I think. I think the, the, the enemy has foreseen the church rising up in America. I think he has seen into the future. I think God's allowed him, and he has put, you know, got all these rules in school, and, you know, the, you know, the government trying to tell us how to raise our kids, and, and the abortion, all that, is he has seen what God is going to do. He's got a little glimpse that there is going to be a church that's going to rise up, that's going to put the fear of God in the government. The government's going to be scared of them. So the devil's working real hard and been working real hard for years in our government to try to, to get laws and, and people in place to fight us when we come forward. But I believe that's good news. I believe we are going to rise up and we are going to be a radical, revolutionary church. You hear what I'm saying to you? Radical and revolutionary. That's what we want, isn't it? I mean, that's what I want. I don't want to be an old sane church. We've been trying to be radical and revolutionary for 20-something years, haven't we? We have went after We want to be radicals, Lord. You know, we're like rebels without a cause half the time. We want to be that. It's in our hearts. But you know what? It's going to happen. That's God. We hadn't, we've been, you know, bungling around with it, trying to figure out how to do it. You know? But God's going to give us a message like Paul. It was the gospel of grace. In fact, I remember one time Chuck Smith, uh, who started Calvary Chapel, Amen. It's a prophecy. Chuck Smith, everybody knows each other, a great man by all accounts in the church, a spiritual father. Back in the days of the hippies, was baptizing thousands in the Pacific Ocean. Had them lined up. Hippies. Okay? Tremendous man. You know, this Greg Laurie deal that y'all went to. Greg Laurie, everybody, oh, Greg Laurie's a real conservative. Greg Laurie is not no conservative guy. He, Chuck Smith, he was one of those hippies that Chuck Smith got saved Okay, and what? But here's the thing, Chuck Smith published a book called. It was a commentary on Romans, and he said he, he named it the Gospel of Grace, the Gospel of Grace. And you read the book of Romans, that is the last thing you think it is, right? Think, what he's talking about Gospel? It's because there's a revelation of grace that God wants to release. He wants to release something to us to make us that church that turns the world upside down. But it's not from outward in. It's something that God shines into you. He's asking us. He's inviting us 
And, and it's just hypocritical. This is what I've learned about myself. You hypocrite, how can you preach stuff you don't live? How can you have a, you know, how can you build a church that's not according to the Word of God, you hypocrite? I mean, that's what I feel like God has said to me. And that's not a bad thing for God to say that. You've got to live this thing, Byron. You, and that's why he tore my heart out Friday night, because I realized, Lord, I've gotten away from grace. I've gotten away from it. And God wants to release something. He wants to get the gloom off of us. We have just said, oh, you know, Lord, if you just move in church and we just want this to happen and, and, and you know, why ain't it happening? Well, it's not happening because we've gotten away from that. We've gotten away from it. Are y'all with me? And Lord, the Lord does want to make us radical. And He does want to make us revolutionaries. He wants to raise up an army in America. And I'm convinced that the devil has seen, has foreseen the church as a revolutionary rebel that's going to challenge the government. It's going to challenge abortion in a right way, not just go around marching, but have, that when there's power, and I'm not against marching, don't get me wrong, but I'm just saying there's a challenge coming when we rise up and preach what Paul really preached. Because basically Paul preached what Jesus preached. Okay? Because they killed Jesus. You know, they're going to come after us for this. And I've realized, why don't we have signs following our message? Why don't we have miracles in the church? Why don't we have a healing in the church? Because of one reason, and one reason only, we have not preached the real gospel. We've preached a form of it, but we've mixed it. We've perverted the gospel. We really have. We've perverted it. I've perverted it. You know, Paul said, if anybody comes to you preaching another gospel, even if I do, you know, cur uh, let him be accursed. And it was a gospel of grace. It was a gospel that said, Emerson Manning, you can sin, Emerson. I'm just not saying you're a sinner. I'm just looking at you. You can sin. You have that choice. From the beginning, God gave us that choice. But you see, the grace of God does this. The grace of God says, I don't want to sin. I don't want to. Because there's something operating in you. It's not what you do. It's God's grace. Do you hear me? And that makes you a happy Christian. Old sad Christian. Well, I'll just read this. Maybe, just so we'll have a couple scriptures. <laughs> I'm free. Anyways, I'm not going to get religious. The Lord wants to set you free this morning. He wants to set us free. I mean being real free. I've had to get free from myself. You know, it, it hasn't been other people I had to get free. I had to get free from myself. In my little world that I lived in. See, I can get up in the morning and read the Bible, not because I'm a pastor and I'm supposed to. I can get up and do it because I want to. It's not something I have to do. It's something I get to do. That's grace operating in my life. Because when I start having to do it, guess what? This is the boringest thing I ever read in my life. <laughs> what does this mean, Lord? You know what I'm saying? Um, well, let me just read this. Luke 5. Anyway, when we were at the conference, or the, the thing in South Carolina, Crusade, Salvation Now with Pastor Noah, the Lord spoke these verses to me uh, like on a Thursday morning, I think, or Friday morning, and I felt like there was something in it. 
he was trying to tell me. And then that night, the guy who spoke preached a message from it. And I'll be honest with you, I want to go back and get a copy of the message because I don't know what he said. Because I really want, I don't think what he was saying was really what God was specifically trying to tell me, although I felt like what he was saying was God. Okay, it's just that I was wrestling with these scriptures uh, on a, just on a personal level. But let me just read it to you real quick. It says, so it was, this is Luke 5, verse 1. So it was as the multitude pressed about him to hear the word of God that he stood by the lake of Gennesaret and saw two boats standing by the lake, but the fishermen had gone from them and were washing their nets. Then he got into one of the boats, which was Simon's, and asked him to put out a little from the land, and he sat down and taught the multitude from the boat. And when he had stopped speaking, he said to Simon, Launch out into the deep and let down your nets for a catch. But Simon um, said, answered and said to him, Well, Master, we have toiled. Everybody say toiled. toiled. All night. Toiled all night. And caught nothing. Nevertheless, at your word, I will let down the net. And when they had done this, they caught a great number of fish in their nets was breaking. And then it goes on. They got their partners, and, and Peter got on his knees and was repenting. And, uh, but I felt like the Lord, this is something, a couple of things the Lord showed me. First, he said this to me. Um, Psalm 39, verse 6, it says, Surely they busy themselves in vain. They busy themselves in vain. That's Psalm 39, verse 6. And I feel like the Lord was saying to me, busyness is a driving force behind a lot of Christian activity. Busyness is a driving force, a lot of Christian activity. And let me just say this, busyness is a driving force behind most Americans. Okay? Uh, we like to be doing things because it makes us, this is, this is really true, we like to be busy because it makes us feel like we have a purpose. That's why we like to be busy. It makes us feel like we have a purpose. We, we are productive. That's, isn't that an American, that's the American gospel, you know, about being, and I'm not even talking about it from a Christian standpoint, I'm talking about be productive, you know, I'm gonna, and I've said this, I want to raise my children to be good, productive citizens. So a lot of the activity from, from our worship, from our Bible reading, from all this that we do, what we call church, comes from this desire to have a purpose, you know, because God has called us with a purpose. Are you with me? But sometimes activity is, is a distraction meant to satisfy your flesh. Both natural activity and, quote, church Christian activity. A lot of what we're doing is we're trying to satisfy our flesh. 